Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So history was made on August 21st in 2017. Uh, I remember where I was, but do you all remember where you were? Sure, you can probably check your calendars and kind of figure that out, but uh, it was an interesting day, uh, at least for me. See, I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time. I was in my third year of seminary on my internship, and uh, this was, in fact, a day that a lot of America tended to celebrate. It was the day of the total solar eclipse. Now, uh, for those of you who are still waking up this morning, welcome, good to have you here. Uh, the total solar eclipse is when the moon cuts right in the direct path of the sun and the earth. Now, uh, if you were not in the path of totality, which is the specific term, uh, you might not have experienced it in the way that I did. Uh, see, in Denver, we were just about a few hours south of this totality. And so there I was, uh, gathered with a bunch of people waiting for this moment to happen. Now, you may remember it. Uh, I know Pastor Mark did, because uh, he mentioned to me he got his glasses out of a cereal box, which I did too. Um, and they were getting creative with how to promote this special event. And back then, I kind of remembered thinking, well, this isn't really a big deal. I'm not really sure what's so special about this. Uh, but of course, as the day got closer and closer, I was like, okay, all right, everyone's getting excited here. You know, maybe this is a really neat moment. And interestingly, uh, we had a school attached to the church. And so I didn't just gather, you know, with myself and some coworkers, but it was myself and the staff and the other teachers on staff and the students and everyone goes outside. Now, the thing about the total solar eclipse is that it's somewhat of a rare occurrence. Uh, and I say somewhat because technically speaking, it happens once every 18 months somewhere in the world. Now, assuming that none of you are following this schedule, perhaps you don't travel to go see it. So technically, the next time it will happen here in the United States is in 2024, but the next time it will happen across the entire United States from the west to the east is in 2045. So, just in case you're wondering, in neither of those times is it going to be close to here. You're going to have to go travel if you really want to see it. Uh, but I got to see it right there as I walked outside of the church on that afternoon. It was 12.20 in the afternoon uh, as I gathered with so many people, and together we made sure we had on our protective eyewear. Uh, see, the glasses were so specific, normal sunglasses weren't going to cut it on this day. And so there we are, looking at this moment, uh, the moment when it was full totality. And this was so unique because on the one hand, you weren't supposed to look directly at it because it was going to be so bright. But at the same time, you almost couldn't look away. And when the moment finally happens, even if just for a brief moment, you could feel the temperature drop, and it's like there was this darkness over the entire area that as far as the eye could see. And as you're standing there, you want to look up, and all of a sudden it's too bright, and so you have to kind of look away. But uh, just this idea, this reality that when you look at something and it's too bright, you have to look away, well, that's something I think we can all relate to. It's just like if you were to try to look at the sun on any given day, even right now. It'd be hard to look at the sun shines really bright or just looking up at the lights, which as I do now, it'd be hard to look at you for the rest of this. Uh, but looking up at things, it distracts us, it can cloud our vision, and we have to shield our eyes and kind of look away. And that's what makes our text for this morning unique. See, because as Jesus is on a mountain with three of his disciples, there comes this moment, a moment that happens just like a flash. In verse 2, it was described this way. Jesus was transfigured before them, 
and his face shone like the sun. His clothing became white as light. Now, like I said, uh, when you look up at things like the sun or look into the lights, it's very hard to focus on them. That Often you have to shield your eyes. So imagine what it must have been like for Peter, James, and John on that day. That before their very eyes, Jesus is shining like the sun. His clothing is as white as light. He's glowing right before their very eyes. This indeed was a rare occurrence. And in fact, this was so rare that it doesn't happen anywhere else in Scripture. And this is not something that anyone else had seen or will see until after the resurrection. So for Peter, James, and John, this was such a unique and special moment. It was a beautiful sight for them to see. It was a glimpse of glory, a sign of hope. Now, as I thought about this sign, I began to think about the other things that the disciples would have seen during their time with Jesus. One of them, of course, being the well-known story of how Jesus turns water into wine, something that I'm sure many people today are still trying to figure out for various reasons, nonetheless. And of course, uh, they also got to see him give sight to the blind, and they got to see him literally raise someone up from the grave. I mean, they got to see all these wonderful, incredible, beautiful signs, signs of hope that come through Jesus. Now, at the same time, they also got to see some things that, well, I don't think they ever really wanted to see, they got to see division in the church and in the world because of the group that people were born into, whether you were Gentile or Jew. And they got to see their own fellow brothers and sisters in Christ dying before their very eyes because they believed in Jesus. And these disciples, uh, they also got to see, and they even took part in the arguments about which one of them was the best. They really got to see just how broken their world was by this thing called sin. How it was running rampant in their lives and they could see it all around them. Now much like the disciples, we too have seen a lot in our lives. We've certainly all seen beautiful, incredible things. Uh, for me, I know the solar eclipse was one of those things, but even more common things perhaps. Like when I look up at the night sky and I see the stars... And I'm reminded of God's promise to Abraham back in Genesis. Or uh, standing 13,000 feet upon a mountain looking at all of creation and realizing that God spoke it into existence. And it came to be a beautiful, incredible sight to see. And uh, another sight that comes to mind, something that is a little more familiar, a little more recent for me, uh, just over a year ago, when the church door opened on a December afternoon in St. Louis, Missouri, and I saw my beautiful bride for the first time on that afternoon as she came down the aisle. A beautiful, incredible sight. We all have these wonderful things that we have indeed seen. I'm sure you have your list with you. But at the same time, we've certainly seen things that we would have never wanted to see. I have seen things that cause me so much pain I can't even begin to describe them. I have seen things that I don't even want to admit that I've seen. And I'm sure you have that list as well. Sometimes uh, the truth is we see things in our lives that we really just don't want to see and yet 
it's hard not to see them. Uh, The reality is that when we look at the world around us, we see a million sights, and not many of them are pleasing to the eye. Not many of them are a sign of hope. We see, when we look out, a collage of sadness, you might even say. Uh, When we look at our own lives, we see a past that's perhaps riddled with dumb and unfixable mistakes. Or we see the present in which we're continuously letting people down or filled with broken relationships. We see a future that has simply a bleak outlook on hope. That with all the things that we've seen in our lives, we don't see much hope. The reality is, in fact, sometimes we see too much Uh, Think about it like this. Uh, When things are going really well in your life, perhaps you're not seeing who you should be giving glory to because you only see what you are doing. Or when things are going really badly in your life, you don't see who is right there with you in the midst of your pain, who is carrying you as the rest of the world tries to tear you down. That the things that we see are not always as they seem. Sometimes we don't even understand what we see. Consider what happens in our text this morning. As right there, Jesus is transfigured before the three disciples. And in this incredible moment, Moses and Elijah appear on top of the mountain. And as the disciples are looking at them... There's like this conversation happening, and then Peter does something that he often does. Uh, He speaks. Uh, Peter interrupts this moment, and uh, something you should know about Peter, Peter really has a knack for speaking when he really should be silent. Uh, This, in fact, is one of the reasons why I feel so closely related to Peter. But nonetheless, as Peter is witnessing this moment, he asks a question that seems rather misguided. Uh, See, because he he asks Jesus, should I continue to build a tent, one for Moses and one for Elijah? As if this is the moment that they're going to stay with, as if they're going to just rest upon this mountain. It's almost like Peter doesn't really see what's happening. He doesn't fully understand what's going on before him. That this is indeed such an incredible moment, but it is indeed so much more than that. In fact, it's not until the very next moment that there's some clarity, not only for Peter and James and John, but for us as well. See, because then a cloud appears, and in this cloud comes a thundering, a booming voice, a voice that speaks these words. Behold, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. These words take us back to the beginning of this epiphany season at the baptism of Jesus. These are the words of the one and only God the Father. And he speaks them over his son as his glory is revealed. And yet now, the disciples can't even look up. For as the voice speaks, they turn away. They are so overcome with fear that they can't even bear to look up anymore. And now the only thing they see is the ground beneath them. And yet without hesitation, Jesus comes to them. In fact, as Scripture points out for us, Jesus touches them before he says a word. This is an intimate reminder that Jesus is not just speaking over us, but that he is literally with us 
just as he was with the disciples on that day, that he touches them and then he speaks words of comfort to them. He looks at them and he says, get up and do not be afraid. They have nothing to fear. These words of comfort, they hear them and then they look up and now the only thing they can see is Jesus. Moses and Elijah are gone. The cloud is no longer there. The one thing that their eyes can see is their master, their Lord, their great hope, and soon to be their Savior, Jesus. And as they they fix their eyes on Jesus, they realize that this indeed is the revealing of the glory of Jesus. That this moment here is not just something uh, that they can't figure out. That this is Jesus being revealed in his full glory. And they have bared witness to this wonderful, incredible sight. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, revealed to them right before their very eyes. It was indeed a glimpse of glory. A sign of hope. And what's so unique is that they have spent time with Jesus. Like I said, they've spent time watching him. They spent time traveling from city to city with him. They've seen all these wonderful things that Jesus has done. And yet this is a moment that no one else had ever seen before. Indeed, a glimpse of glory, a sign of hope. The transfiguration of Jesus stands right before their very eyes atop that mountain. The word of God the Father spoken over Jesus just as it was at his baptism. The proclamation that this is the glory of the Lord. This is indeed great reason to celebrate. What in fact is a great moment that the perfect light of the world should shine in all of its glory. Transfigured right before their very eyes. And yet, it's what Jesus says next that serves as a reminder not only to them, but also to us, that this, in fact, is just the beginning. See, because in verse 9, Jesus says, Tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now, I'm sure that all of you have also had this same experience. Uh, Not the seeing Jesus part, although if you have, tell me, because I would love to know what that's like. Uh, But rather, the other half, what's really happening here, keeping a secret. What Jesus is saying to his disciples in this moment is, you cannot go back and tell anyone. You have to keep this to yourself. I've had to keep some secrets in my life, but I couldn't imagine having to keep this one. To have laid eyes upon the glory of the Lord, to have seen Jesus fully shining there, and then to not be able to tell anyone. It must have been so hard. I wrestled and and I wondered, why would Jesus do this? Why wouldn't they be able to tell someone? And I realized that that is, in fact, what the transfiguration is all about. The transfiguration is all about us receiving a glimpse of the glory of Jesus as a sign of hope. See, because what happens after the transfiguration is that Jesus comes back with his disciples and together they go back down the mountain and they gather up with everyone else and then they begin their journey. 
and their journey, all eyes point on one direction. They're going to one place, Jerusalem. On this long road to Jerusalem, Jesus would spend time foreshadowing his death and his resurrection. Jesus would do some of his final teaching, his final preaching in this moment. As together, they lead the road to Jerusalem. And when they finally get there, there's only one place left for them to go. Golgotha. The place of the skull's the place where Jesus dies on the cross. It's so fitting uh, that we celebrate the transfiguration every year, especially on this day, because we too are preparing. In just three days on Ash Wednesday, we too will begin our journey to the cross. As we enter into the season of Lent together, we will enter our journey to the long road to Jerusalem. And soon after, to the cross, where Jesus dies. But on this day, in this moment, today is a day full of celebration. For the Lord has revealed His glory. The disciples have seen this glory, and this glory is for the world to see. This is our great hope. The promised glory that has been revealed through Jesus Christ. The glory of the Lord that shines around them that they see this bright light before their very eyes. And they are not blinded, but now they can see this is Jesus, the glory of the Lord shining before their very eyes, their great hope. And the, the transfiguration of Jesus, it reminds us that this indeed is how the story continues, that this glimpse of glory is such a great sign of hope because it shows us who Jesus is. He is the Son of God as God speaks over him. And it tells us what he does as he leads us to the cross where he dies on the cross and then he rises again to new life, victorious over death. And his glory shines again for the world to see. Jesus Christ fulfills the word of God as he is transfigured for his glory to show. And we see it there, and this is our greatest hope, that the glory of the Lord shall indeed be revealed. This morning, uh, as I close, I want to read to you some words from a famous speech that I've been thinking about over the past few weeks. Uh, it, it goes like this. Uh, it's something that I think all of us want to see one day. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's fitting that uh, on this last Sunday in February, which also happens to be Black History Month, I found myself reflecting on the words from the I Have a Dream speech from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. But these, in fact, were not his words first. See, first, these are the words of the prophet Isaiah, spoken over the people of Israel, words of comfort, words of promise, words of hope. And I share them with you this morning because, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that is not our dream. That is our promised future. 
that the glory of the Lord has been revealed and all flesh will see it together. And until that moment, we have indeed received a glimpse of glory, a sign of hope forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together we stand as we confess our faith.